So we're going to talk about Saul this morning. And um, we're going to learn a little bit about him, his life, and then learn a lot about God and just how different he is. Um, in the book of Acts, we'll be in the book of Acts pretty much most of the time, uh, in chapter 7, verse 58, we first hear of the person of Saul. And what it says is it said, eyewitnesses laid their clothes at the feet of Saul as they prepared to stone to death Stephen. It's an interesting way to start out. That's the first time you hear about Saul. And Stephen, just for those of you that don't know, Stephen was one of the first deacons of the church. And after Acts chapter 6, we see the church uh, forming the deacons. First group of deacons. The apostles were, 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 were hard at work and they knew that their focus needed to be on prayer and the ministry of the word. And there was a complaints going in the church and so they raised up deacons within the church. And Stephen was one of those deacons. And this is what it says about Stephen. It says, the Bible says Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. And he performed great wonders and powers among the people. He's a powerful man. God used him just before the stone to death, just, just to walk the Jewish leaders. Basically, if you look at that passage, just about from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the present, all the way to the crucifixion of Christ. And when he got to the crucifixion of Christ, and he talked and just, he was boldly said, he's crucified him. The Jews were so furious that they put down their coats, they drug him out to, to, to public, and they, they stoned him to death. And I'm not talking about little pebbles, I'm talking about boulders, they stoned him to death. And then we have Saul sitting there, standing there, as they lay their coats, and it says in Acts chapter, verse one, he says, we, we see Saul there, and it says Saul was giving his approval to Stephen's death. In other words, he thought it was good that they killed Stephen. Now, I remember the first time when I read this. Read through the Bible, I started reading Matthew, got to the book of Acts. And I don't know about you. When I got to this part of the Bible, I had a real strong reaction, okay? My reaction was simply this. Or you need to take this guy out. This guy is an enemy of the church. I mean, he, he's killing Christians. Okay? It talks about in Acts 8, it just it doesn't get it doesn't it gets worse. It talks about that he went to the Jewish leaders and asked for permission to go after these believers. And they gave him permission, and he was going house to house, taking men and women and putting them in prison for following, you know, what he viewed at the time was false religion. That's how he viewed it. And so he was an aggressive, and they, they talk about the word zealous. You know what it means to be zealous? It means you're passionate. He was a passionate person, and he wanted to put this fire out. And so he was literally um, dragging women and went off. And then because of these actions, we see something happening to the church. The church was scattered. The church started out, so they don't know, the church, church started out, it really was a, a Jewish movement. Okay? It, was, it was Jews that were coming to faith in Christ. And it was in Jerusalem. And this is an interesting thing about the Lord. He, as when I said, his ways are not our ways. It talks about in Acts 1-8. Anybody know that verse? It says that, that, that 
they are supposed to be his witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. The church wasn't going out of Jerusalem. But God has a way of making things going even when we don't want them to go. And so I, I just say that before you because God moved the church out in this time. In his sovereignty, he moved the church out. They were forced to. But at this time, they were fleeing. But as they were fleeing, they're also sharing Christ. So God's ways are not our ways. Now, when I said the idea of removing Saul, the idea of uh, scattering the church, um, in Acts chapter 9, I want to talk about that for a minute. Stay with me. So, Acts chapter 9, I wanted to touch on these verses because they're very important. Instead of God removing Saul, he does something totally different. Now, Saul's angry. He's breathing fire against the believers. He's on the road to Damascus. And it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Jesus speaks to someone. Men are speechless. They heard, the, heard a voice, they didn't, but they didn't see anyone. They said they heard a sound. Saul got up, and that's what he couldn't see. He's blind, he couldn't see. And so they, they took him and said, for three days and nights, he did not eat or drink anything. And then in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And he gets a vision from the Lord. The Lord tells him in a vision, he says, Ananias, and he says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And then Ananias does something that I relate to, you know. He says, Lord, do you know who this guy is? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he says, oh, wait a minute. He says, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to the holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority of the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. And I love the Lord's reaction. The Lord doesn't stutter, does he? He just says, go. Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So the Lord, he wouldn't tell the Lord anything he didn't know. The Lord already knew who, who Saul was. But the Lord's purpose is he had a plan and a purpose for this man. And then this, this man, later on, as Pastor talked about him last week, this is going to become one of the greatest apostles in the church. One of the greatest writers of, of, of the New Testament. And so in this, this situation, we see Saul's radical conversion. He goes and he follows Ananias, does what the Lord's told him. He leads Saul to the Lord, takes the blindness away. Saul receives a holy person, the Holy Spirit. And then Saul, the same person Saul that was going persecuting uh, believers, who's intent on destroying the church, he's back preaching in the synagogues. But now he's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. And the leaders don't know what to make of him. They're confused. They said, no, no, this is the same guy that was going around, rounding up the Christians. And now he's preaching that Jesus is God. And they wanted to kill him. 
And that's really where we start off today. That's where we start off in our, in our passage. It's at this point we see Saul trying to join the disciples. And that's the context where this uh, text begins. If you can open up to Acts chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. That's where we're going to start. <clears throat> Acts chapter 9, 26 to 27, it says, When he came to Jerusalem, that's meaning Saul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were so they were afraid, all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. It's the word of the Lord. First point I'd like you to write down is that disciples take risks. Disciples take risks, okay? Barnabas, let's, let's be real, real. Barnabas, Saul's got a bad rep, right? I mean, when Saul came to Jerusalem and tried to join the disciples, they, had, they didn't want anything to do with him. They weren't interested in that. And I don't blame them. Do you? I mean, they, they knew that this was the same Saul that had been persecuting the church. And so the disciples thought he was really not a disciple, right? This is an undercover guy. He's like, he's just going to come in here, find out where we are, and take us out. I mean, that's really what they're thinking. And so he wants to get in there in a circle and just cause man. So they didn't trust him. Rather, they were fearfully, fearful of him, and rightfully so. And so the bottom line is Saul doesn't get to the disciples without Barnabas. There's no way. Then Barnabas, we see... He, he, so he becomes the bridge, basically, between Saul and the disciples. And he opens the door by Saul by doing a number of things. What's the first thing he does? He brings Saul. He actually brings them to the disciples. Think about it. Oh, man, that takes, that takes some guts, right? I mean, he brings them to the disciples. He literally brought him into the group. He then shares about Saul's conversion experience and how he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus after his conversion. Barnabas took a huge risk here. Well, he took a huge risk. He put himself on the line. Basically, he was acting as an advocate for Saul. Because no one would believe him, believe Saul at this point. And, I mean, he's a great example for us, okay? He's an advocate. I want to share with you an advocate in my life. Uh, when I first came to this church in 1990, a long time, praise the Lord, when I came here, I was a mess. I was a hot mess. Yeah. I came here in January 1990. I was in a just sinful relationship. I was shacking up and over in Evanston. And I needed help. And Tim Larkin was the associate pastor at the time. He was a counselor. And he was the first counselor that didn't try to fix the relationship. He just said, listen, this is a dead-end relationship. You need to let it go. You need to walk away. Right as fast as you can. You got issues, brother. You got to work on your own issues. So he started working with me and meeting with me. And he met with me from um, January till about this time of year. That was around March or April. You know what time of year this is? No, no, no. no. This, this is time. This, say this one. It's tax time. So I was faithful till tax time came. But I knew my check was going. Coming. And so when I got my check, back up. I was a nut, guys. I was, I was not in a good place. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not the only one. So anyway, I went back to my mess. And then in July of that year, 
got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I just, I, I just, I had enough, you know, I just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, she was either going to kill me or I was going to kill her. We were, we, were the, we were that couple that you called at 3 in the morning, you called a hobo, fight again. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just make up the breakup. That's all we knew. That was, that was our relationship. And yet I could not walk away. In July, I walked away. I met Tim over at, was no longer there, unfortunately, Baker Square, over at Western and Tui there. That's my favorite, our meeting point. And we went over there, and uh, he met with me. And he began to walk with me again. He didn't give up on me. Um, I couldn't go back home. I burned the bridge house. You know, I said, hey, you, just, you keep doing the same thing over and over again. We're not a help. We're part of the problem now. So I couldn't go home. And so I met with Tim. You know what he did? He put me up in this church. That little classroom upstairs, the Korean room, it's a really nice room, but at that time it was a makeshift uh, apartment. He said, you know what, I'm going to take a risk on you. I'm going to let you stay in this church. I also let me know if you screw up here on the street. You know, but I mean, he, he, he was real. He was honest about it. He's like, I'm putting myself on the line by allowing you to stay in this church. And uh, what I did, I stayed. And I never looked back. Amen. Stayed here for there to November and got an apartment. And God took me on from there. So I thank God for Tim Larkin. And so I use that as an example just to say new believers with difficult past, they need advocates. They need advocates. And people who come alongside them, encourage them, and then introduce them to other believers. I mean, I came to Christ through Tim. Tim, Tim led me to the Lord in September of that year. And it was all because he could have just given up on me, right? So he just screwed up, man. You know, I, why do I need to be with you again? But he, he took another risk. He kept walking with me. And, uh, you know, part, partially because, because of him, I'm here today to give thanks for him. My question is, who are you being an advocate for? Who are you taking a risk on? It might be a friend, it might be a family member, but you know, it's, it's not a safe thing, you know, for us being believers. We, 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 we need to take risks sometimes. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Who are you bringing into the life of our church or into your small group? You know, there might be a person that you've invited. I, I know someone, I know one person that invited somebody today and brought them, you know, another person that brought them, they didn't come, right? And so, what do we do when they don't come? Ah, we're done with you. No, you invite them again. Because you never know when that time is. Sometimes they're hostile, sometimes they're neutral, sometimes they're ready. You just don't know. You just keep praying and invite them, and that might, might be that, that day when they're ready. So I just want to share that with you. Acts, we're going to move on to Acts chapter 11, verses 22 to 26. It says, News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. To tell you, Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. It's one of the things about Barnabas. He's an encouraging guy. Um, but I want to start up with this passage. It talks about this news. I want to say, what news are they talking about? And the news that they're talking about is that Gentiles 
for coming to faith in Christ. At, at this time, Jews and Gentiles were enemies, okay? I mean, just look down on Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody that weren't Jews, okay? So we're Gentiles, okay? Just, just so you know, we got grafted in. Amen. But God's making a way for Gentiles to come in. And in Acts chapter 10, if you go back a chapter, it's, there's, there's a passage about Peter. And, and, and God gives him a vision you know, about all these different animals. Tom tells him, go and eat, kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, I don't want to eat that stuff. You know? God says, what? Don't say anything's unclean that I say is clean, right? And God's talking not just about uh, pork and what, whatnot. He's talking about people, okay? And then right after that, he goes and he and God takes him to this devout guy, Cornelius. He was devout, but he was not saved. He didn't, he didn't know Jesus yet. He prayed every day. He was very faithful in prayer. But Peter witnesses to him. He shares the gospel. Cornelius receives the Holy Spirit. And that's where it began. And it goes on. And so this is what they're talking about in Acts chapter 11. It said, news reached the ears of the church and Gentiles are coming to Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit. And then they're excited. Then they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And, uh, and then something happens. He, he goes to Tarsus. He goes, he saw. Now, back then and there, um, it wasn't as easy to get around, okay? There's no Uber. There's no Greyhound. I mean, he's looking it. So, I mean, he's serious if he wants to go. So he saw it. He, and Saul, Tarsus is, is Saul's hometown. And, and the reason he was there is he was born there. He had citizenship there. And he'd been sent home there for his own protection. Because after his conversion, there was such an uproar among the Jewish leaders that, that they, they, they meant to kill him. I mean, they were serious. So they, they'd sent him there for his own protection. So he stayed there for several years before Barnabas came and brought him back to help with that church in Antioch. And then, this is one of my favorite parts, because Barnabas, we see, is a great disciple, right? He, he doesn't forget about his disciple, doesn't forget about Saul, he travels to Tarsus to find him, and he brings him with him to Antioch, and together they pour their lives into one another, into the new believers there, for a whole year. I want you to get that picture. That's disciple. Okay, discipleship is more than an event. You know, we have events at our church. Those are nice things. We have classes at our church. Those are nice things. Those are There's discipleship that happens there. But you know what discipleship is? It's life on life. Someone who's walking with you, meeting with you, praying for you, calling you out. I mean, just walking day by day. And that discipleship it takes time. It takes time to disciple first. And there's ups and downs. I remember... Uh, one of the uh, one of our tenants, his name's Ryan, and they're on a mission field now. And he, he was describing his life, what it was like before he was a believer. He says, "My life was kind of like this. Was doing this." He said, "I was just going down." He says, "Now that I'm a believer, I'm doing this." And, and I, I put it that way because. People think it's like this. It is not. It is not. The Christian walk is not straight up. Okay, it is up and down. But you're slowly. Things are going well, and you continue to press the Lord. You're slowly growing bit by bit. Amen. As Pastor Allen says, you know, I'm not where I ought to be, but I'm not where I used to be. 
And so that's 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 a picture, and that's that's I love this picture because it takes time. We're doing a ministry right now uh, in our public schools called Crossroads. Three years ago, we found out something that we didn't know, which is that we could actually teach the Bible in public schools. Just it just fell into our lap. There's another church that was doing it. Church fell through in that spring. They, they were looking to continue the ministry. They called our church. Remember that? It was I think April of that year, a couple of years ago. Um, and we just filled in. We stepped in the gap. And we're teaching Bible stories. You know, I preached. I, I, I taught last week about about uh, when Jesus called the disciples. You know, I mean, this is great stuff. We're teaching the Bible. And so, but guess what? We've been doing it for three years. And and and, and I mean, it's, we're meeting with eighteen kids. Now, some, some Wednesdays are great. Woo, some Wednesdays I wish, wish I had somewhere else to go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, 4 o'clock can't get here quick enough, you know. I'm packing them up. I need to get out of here. Go home, you know. Um, but, you know, I realize that consistency is so important in their lives. You know, because we're there every week, week by week, sharing, sharing the gospel with them. I also realize, and I shared it at the Kirby, and I, I, I submit this to you guys for prayer. Um, we're doing a spiritual work. So there means there's going to be spiritual uh, barriers, right? And I, I told them at the prayer, I said, every time we preach the gospel, sometimes it's just stories. Sometimes it's just the gospel. When we're, we're straight into the gospel, I can guarantee you it's going to be a rough week. Those guys listen. I mean, I spent, the, I think it was two weeks ago, I spent my time in the hallway with two, two girls. Just handed boot them. You know, spent that time. They, they wanted to get back in. I'm like, nope. So they, they need to learn in there, you know. And so I let them learn, and then um, that was what I had to do, you know. They walked with them all over the hallways. <laughs> it was rough. But the point of the story is, it's consistency. And bit by bit, I, I get to see the improvement in their lives. They love when we come. And then, guys, 18 kids is a lot of kids that we minister every week. So we thank the Lord for that. So. My question comes back to you again. Who are you discipling? And who's discipling you? Now, even you might say, I'm not, an, I'm not a teacher, I'm not, I'm not able to, to disciple. Guess what? If you're a believer in Christ, you're able to disciple. And the pastor shares this from the pulpit here when he teaches you to share your testimony. Your testimony is very simple, right? What was my life before Christ? What was my life when I met Christ? What I want my price and what where am I on the journey now? And so if you can share that story with someone, you're you're doing some discipleship there because you're just sharing God's, God's story in your life and what God's done in your life. Uh, but the point of it is we always need to be what? Being disciple. And we also need to be discipling others. And so you know God can use you and that it's as simple as being willing and available and He will show you and we'll help you find out, you know. Where do you fit? Amen? Amen? All right, Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. Just got a couple more scriptures and we'll close. Acts 13, verses 1 to 3. It says, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Ian, who had been brought up here to Tetri and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them on. 
here we go again. I remember reading this, going, what? These are two of the great leaders in the church, right? Barnabas and Saul, they've just come back from a mission. Why would God call out two great leaders in the church? And simply because God's ways are not our ways, right? I've seen a lot in my time and outside. I've seen a lot of people come, I've seen a lot of people go. And uh, I remember when I was first here, uh, Jim Larson used to play the piano there. You guys have met Jim and Judy, they're a mission in Thailand bringing prostitutes out of out of uh, that lifestyle and leading them to Christ and helping them with new life. And so they got a ministry called Well there. But Jim was here a long time. He's here almost 18 years. And I used to go on visits with Jim. I used to love, love to go on visits. He had his hat, he had his jacket. He looked like a cop. You know, so, so the guys guys on the street would say, hey, he's a cop, you know, so, so it made ministry a little hard. But we, we would go in these buildings on Magnolia and Areas and minister to the kids and invite them to church and go pick them up on, on Sunday. But one of the things I loved about Jim is he was a very real guy. He was honest about some of his frustrations. And for those of you that have been with Uptown for a while, church has changed a lot. It was a really, uh, it's still a needy community, but it was really needy back then. Okay, there was just a lot of needs. And so there weren't a lot of leaders. And so Jim would just be so frustrated. And the Lord would remove one of these leaders. So man, that was a new one. Don't you think that one? You know? We, 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 we're short-handed here. We need you know? And so, man, I remember him because he just had his heart on his sleeve. He just was frustrated. He really was. He was like upset with the Lord. Like, Why are you doing this? And then God gave him an understanding of what and who Uptown Baptist Church is. Uptown Baptist Church is an Acts 1-8 church. It's a sending church. It's a training ground for missionaries. Many of our missionaries have gone on the field and said, you know what, Uptown prepared me to go on the mission field. Because there's so many different kinds of people that are here, all walks of life, rich, poor, you have red, yellow, black, and white, all precious in the sight, right? But you get stretched when you're here. If you're used to a homogeneous environment, Thompson, for you, I mean, it's going to stretch you. And so he, when God kind of just opened his mind and helped him understand, they're not here to stay. They're here to go. One of the things I love about our, our Moody students, they're here, it's they understand they're not here to stay. And I know that when they come. They're planning on going. They're going somewhere. And they have that in their mindset right from the beginning. So I hold on and learn to, as best as you hang on to these leaders loosely because they're going to be gone. And, and we're there to prepare them to go. And so that's that's the gist I want to give you there. It's, we've always been. Uh, and when, when, when Jim learned this, it just freed him up to say, this, this is what it's all about. We're here to be trained up and, and, to, and to, to send them out. That's what it's all about. So, you know, and, and it's not that God doesn't care about Uptown. And, and this is one of the things I love about Uptown. I mean, we could be totally focused on Uptown, right? But the mission is bigger than Uptown. The mission is, is Uptown, 
Chicago, USA, other ends of the world, right? It's, it's all over, it's not just one. And we can't wait till Uptown's fixed before we go to Chicago, before we go to the US, and before we go overseas. It's, we're doing all those things at once. And the reality is the mission's bigger than Uptown. And so when we look at these things through this lens, and, and I'm bringing this to a close, but when I think about what's going on with our pastor, that's what's happening. God's calling Pastor Allen out from uptown to minister to a city that's in great need. And if you guys don't watch the news, you know we're in great need, right? Because, I mean, man, if carjacking, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on in our city. It's not even warm yet, right? And, I mean, I don't know about you, but when it gets warm in Chicago, there's a part of me that's really happy, but then there's another part. When a warm weekend comes up, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be shot this week. You know? And, and it might not be in uptown, but it's Chicago, right? So whether it's Inglewood or Lawndale or Rogers Park, it's our city. And so God is calling him. And, and basically what we're doing, what we're preparing to do next week is we're sending him out. We're going to be praying over him. We're going to be sending him out as an early missionary to this new ministry together, Chicago. And, and that's, that's, that's basically what's happening. And that's what they were doing in Antioch. They were sending out Barnabas and Saul because God had work for them to do. And that, you know, one of the things I, I, I understand, God's taught me, is that UBC has always been and will always be a sending church as long and as long as we are healthy, we will be a sending church. When everybody stays, we've lost it. Okay, when we become inward focused, uh, and, and so that's who we are. We're a sending church, and, and, and so we learn to hang on to our leaders loosely. Uh, and if UBC is healthy, we will grow, right? But it's also true if UBC is healthy, we will go. Where God tells us to go. So, just want to stop there. And I want to say once, one more time. What about you? Are you following Christ and letting Him be the leader of your life? I was sharing that with the kids the, the other day, and it's all about following Him. But maybe you're trying to still lead your own life. How's that going? It didn't work for me. Okay, I did. I tried to leave my own. It didn't work. You know, some of us we, we receive God as Savior, but we don't want to want to be Lord, right? He says, "I want, I want to drive the car. I want to lead you, and you, we need to allow Him to lead." And so maybe, so maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're at the point where you you don't understand what it means to give your life to Christ and allow Him to lead. So I want to invite up our prayer ministry team if you. Could come forward. We're going to do something different this morning. It's been a while since we had the prayer ministry team up. But I want you to have a chance to respond to the message. However, God's speaking to you. Whether you are following and you need to follow stronger or struggling. Or maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm not. I haven't followed yet. If you need to know more about that. But I'm going to close with this scripture from Acts 1 8. And we'll have a time for prayer. Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for these marching papers that you give them to our church and to the church, that we will be your witnesses here in our own Jerusalem, but also in Judea, Chicago, Samaria, U.S., to the ends of the earth. Lord, we thank you for the history of this church, and we pray that that would continue, that we would always be a sending church, and we pray that we would have that perspective even as we send out Pastor Allen and his family next week. And Lord, we pray that we, as your body, would be willing to go wherever you tell us to go, and do whatever you tell us to do. Lord, you, you, your ways are different from our ways, but your ways are always good, they're always right, to, to help us to trust and obey, as they say earlier. Pray this in Jesus' name.